0: Welcome to Lifespan Live with your host, Eugene Ardino.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Eugene Ardino, the Chief Executive of Lifespan Financial Planning, and welcome to our live podcast series, where we discuss key issues for advice businesses. In these podcasts, we discuss everything from technical and compliance issues, regulatory change through to soft skills and marketing. Today I'm joined by Eugene Cerebelli, who heads up compliance at Lifespan, and he's also the General Manager. Uh, and, and we're also joined by Michael Gershkoff, our National Practice Manager, based out of Victoria. Welcome, gentlemen. Today we're going to have a chat about succession planning, how advice firms get it wrong, and what they can do to get it right. Lifespan has recently achieved the milestone of 25 years as a provider of licensee services. So it comes as no surprise that over the years we have often had detailed discussion with principals and financial advice firms about the key issues associated with succession planning. And over that time, we've seen uh, a lot of different succession planning strategies, um, some that have failed, many that have been very successful, and everything in between. So, um, and and drawing on the experience uh, of of Lifespan gives us the ability to share some of that insight. So, let's start by talking about why, in many cases, succession planning isn't prioritised within an advice business. Eugene, do you have an insight into that from your perspective?
2: Yes, I I think it's um, the same for most businesses and not just for advice businesses where um, principals are usually too busy concentrating on the business itself and not planning for exiting the business. So it's the last thing they've probably got on their mind, although they may have thought about it in uh, in the course of their uh, business lives. Uh, I think it's important that they do prioritise this though um, as they need to plan for the future and um, keep their clients, I guess, at the forefront um, and make sure that they are looked after when they finally exit the business. Absolutely. It certainly often is looked at a
1: yes, it's important, but not right now. There's always, in, in advice businesses, whether it's financial advice, accounting, and lots of other advice type businesses, there's always urgent matters to deal with. And so, you know, less, seemingly less urgent matters, such as succession planning, tend to fall by the wayside until one day it becomes urgent. Michael, have you got any insights into this?
0: Following on from the same point, uh, a lot of advisors just don't want to embrace that reality. It's almost like there's a belief when they're ready to exit, someone will just material materialize saying yes, I would love to buy your business or they'll have an employee already in place who will say yes I will take over. Uh, there's often a disconnect between the planning involved of how you will exit to get the best outcome for you personally for your business and for your clients and the reality of will someone actually want to take it? When I'm ready. Yeah, I'd say
1: there's certainly a feeling of vitality uh, of some business owners that think they will live forever and be able to do their job forever. And look, a lot of them really love what they do, so they don't really want to think about life after themselves, in a sense, for the business. But absolutely.
2: Yeah, I tend to feel that um, practitioners sometimes are like, like, I liken it to um, insurance. Or even uh, riding a wheel where it's the last thing on people's minds and they tend not to think about it um, and not worry about the consequences if a circumstances requiring that were to pop up. So
1: as a consequence, it's fair to say that in many cases, succession planning only becomes an issue when the principal or the owner wants to exit uh, instead of being a structured part of their everyday business process and business plan which is problematic where unforeseen circumstances arise um, and, and you need a succession. It also is useful to have multiple people in the business that can t- step into other people's role. And I think one of, one of the most important qualities of a business leader is to try to make themselves redundant and to try to make the business um, rely as little as possible on themselves even though it does, but have mechanisms in place where others can step in. So when does succession planning actually become an issue? Michael, when do you think succession planning actually becomes an issue?
0: Well, as you said, Eugene, it's, it becomes an issue when it's often too late. And I've unfortunately been party to many situations with many examples where advisors effectively had an event occur in their lives, personal lives, due to health or due to other variables and all of a sudden they needed to exit and there wasn't a plan in place to get succession planning right is in my experience a five-year process five years which involves a plan a plan with variables a plan with a clear outcome of when when this will be enacted and how it will will be enacted and unfortunately uh, people don't put that five-year time, plate, time frame in.
2: I think the other consideration we have to give to is the, um, the single practitioner. It's all well and good to for larger firms to uh, plan to make themselves redundant, as Eugene so rightly pointed out, but it's a little bit harder when there's only one person in the business, um, and it can happen. Unforeseen circumstances come out, uh, do come up, Um, So what happens to those clients in those circumstances? So you need to have those considerations in place as well. What happens, and we've seen them, um, what happens when the principal, um, let's say, for example, can no longer be the principal or even be an advisor through no fault of their own, uh, what do you do then? You must have a plan in those circumstances as well.
1: And in those circumstances and where we've seen that occur... Where there's a licensee, um, often the licensee will step in um, and look for some sort of succession and some sort of um, usually sale or takeover of the business. Um, But it's very important that clients have continuity in some way, shape, or form. But it's very important that you have some kind of plan, you communicate, and you communicate that plan. Um, There's no point putting it in a will if the people that you're trying to rely on to execute that plan are unaware, so yeah, you know, that's a pretty simple tip, I would say. So, if you don't have, a, if you didn't have a succession plan in place, and you wanted to build one, what would be your first step?
0: Ideally, step one is to talk to someone who's either gone through it themselves and can provide some practical explanations or practical ideas of steps to take, or work with a professional business coach who, again, has enough experience in this area, or you turn to your licensee who will hopefully have a practice manager or someone who can provide some input. Uh, It is, as I said, a fairly significant process to take on board, and what's particularly interesting in the past two years is there is a complete blurring. Of selling a business to exit or putting in place a succession plan. If you want to get the best price as part of a total sale, you actually need to do it through a succession plan and not just go, Here's my book, who wants to buy it? That scenario will lead lead to the worst possible price. If you want to get the best possible price and outcome for everybody involved, there has to be a very clearly defined plan, both for the buyer and for the seller.
1: Absolutely. And I think financial advice businesses are very much goodwill businesses. So uh, if you're running a firm rather rather than a single practitioner type business, it's useful for a buyer to know who in the firm is relied on for what. But I think it's also important that you structure your business so that clients relate to the firm rather than just the principal. Because I think... where more of the goodwill resides in the business and the brand rather than just the practitioner, the business is probably gonna be a lot easier to take over from a buyer's point of view, which in theory should improve the value of the business. But I think it's also worth touching on what a prospective buyer of a business will wanna look at. And you know, gone are the days where they just look at the bottom line or the top line revenue and apply a multiple. Uh, with all the changes that have taken place these days, buyers will have a much closer look at what the revenue consists of, but also non-financial information, uh, qualitative information about the client base, the type of advice, the level of interaction and engagement with clients. Um, is it commercial? Is it enough? Um, all these types of things. So it's very important to have good records, good client files. Um, it's very important to have your clients segmented um, and to have records on what levels of service you provide them and for what consideration, and also to make sure that's, that's commercial. Um, you don't want to be over-servicing clients, but probably more importantly, you don't want to be under-servicing them. You want to be delivering good value for money. Huge, you got any other thoughts uh, on that?
2: No, two points um, to highlight. One was raised, Michael, that don't go it alone, basically. Talk to someone who's gone through it, who has the practical experience. Don't try and fumble through it because it's a very important part of your uh, overall business plan. Also, um, what Eugene mentioned about getting your data right, having access to your data and having it all in place so that it makes sense to someone who might step in and take over. Um, And being able to communicate that data not only within your own practice, but to all the third parties that are involved with your practice. Michael, anything to add?
0: In the market that we're in right now, more so than ever, valuation has changed. And whilst we all expected, to some extent, valuations to drop, they've dropped faster and harder than expected as a result of regulation for CEO education requirements and so forth. But what's also interesting is... There's a record number of buyers. There's still plenty of buyers in the marketplace who are interested in taking over a practice, but unfortunately what they're looking for and the prices they're willing to pay are completely ridiculously different to what the seller actually wants. And when the buyer is looking into a business, they're usually rejecting it or they're offering a price which is less than half of what the seller actually expects and this is because a plan was not put in place. The question that for anybody who wants to go through succession is are you simply selling a book which and if the answer is yes, a book of clients, then you're probably going to get a one-time multiple. If you're selling a business, you might get a two-time multiple. If you're getting a business which has all the ticks, all the all the boxes ticked from a prospective buyer's perspective, you will get much more. You could get more, as much as three times, even more. But are you actually offering the buyer what they want and are you willing to go through the process that they want? Often the process involves you as the seller or the person exiting the business being involved in that succession plan for a number of years uh, as part of a well-managed transition of clients, well-managed transition of client data and staff. If you're just saying, here's my business, what do you want for it? Thank you very much. The price, you'll be lucky to get one times.
1: Completely agree. And, and I think that largely comes down to, you know, have you got all the information that a buyer would want in an, in an easy to understand format? Uh, do you have good process and infrastructure in your business as well? But absolutely, if you're expecting buyers just to have a quick look and pay your top dollar... Uh, that's not going to happen in this environment you've got to have all your ducks in a row um, and and all the financial and non-financial information and and it's not just about you know it's not just about processes and client engagement it's also things like age demographic data if you don't because that's a very important consideration in, in valuing a business if you don't have any of this information that buyers want they will assess it on a worst case scenario basis so Go and talk to someone along the lines of um, what Michael suggested. Talk to your dealer group. Talk to a broker or or talk to someone else that's had experience in this and find out specifically what information buyers want to see and get it all ready because when people can't see things, they think of the worst-case scenario. So the sort of things that are likely to attract top dollar are always successful expanding businesses, scale, um, so often bigger businesses tend to attract higher multiples because they've got scale, because they've got infrastructure, because they've got processes, but also having efficient processes in place to, to service clients. That's very important as well. Uh, if you've got clients invested in 10 different platforms, then that's going to be a lot more difficult to manage than if you're using two or three, things like that. So, And, and again, having good data on, on, on all of those things for buyers to, to look at is also very, very important. Does anybody else have anything to add on that?
0: Yes. uh, To add to that, what you've said is absolutely critical. Another important element is culture, the culture of the business, Uh, especially when you have staff and what you're transitioning is not just the client book, but... The entire business with staff, if you've got the culture piece right, and you've got happy staff who want to stay with the business, who will continue the momentum that has already been created, then the buyer or the person stepping into that transition will be very happy and will pay a premium. If the culture is not great, if you have unhappy staff, if you have clients that have perhaps been resold in the past as part of a previous acquisition, being resold again, if you like, becomes a negative to that process or that experience, and therefore that has an implication on the buyer.
2: One last point I think I'd like to throw in there as well is, um, yes, we've talked about succession planning and and positioning the business, but don't forget yourself, the principal, um, who's planning to exit, or are you planning to exit? How do you figure in this succession plan Uh, Are you staying on in the business in a different capacity? Or is this part of your retirement planning? Um, And how will you cope with it once you step down? So I think you need to consider yourself in all this process as well on a bit more of a personal level as well as the business side of it.
1: Absolutely. Um, A lot of business owners struggle emotionally, mentally with retirement. So it's a very good point. It's something to think about. It's something to maybe even get some advice on. It could even be something to develop strategies for coping with, going from running a business and leading a you know, reasonably stressful life to you know five days a week on the golf course. So it's definitely something, and it could be something that might be better eased into rather than all of it happening in one go. So definitely something to think about. So Michael and Eugene, thanks very much for joining us on, on Lifespan Live. I think we've had a great discussion about succession planning and for those of you joining in, I hope you can take away a few points that you can use in your businesses and as, as we've talked about, succession planning is very important and you should all be thinking about it at some level. Look forward to speaking with you again in another episode of Lifespan Life. Thanks.